Hi, and welcome to Captivated Audience. My name is Marie Lundberg, and I'm joined as always by Samantha Sheen. Today's guest is Ketil Clorius. Pleasure to welcome you, Ketil. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here, and thanks for inviting. It's going to be fun. So, Ketil, for those who are not familiar with you, could you just tell us a little bit about who you are, where you work, and what jurisdiction you're based in? Yes, I can. Well, my name is, uh, as you mentioned, Marie Ketil Clorius, and I am currently working at Danske Bank, heading their global fraud management team, and I'm based in Copenhagen, Denmark. I have been working within fraud and financial crime for, let's say, the last 15 years. It has been a fun journey. It has been from a fraud investigator to doing forensic uh, material to um, uh, doing AML and other, a lot of other stuff, working in various countries. It's been a fun journey so far, so uh, I'm looking forward to more. Excellent. Tell me... Your, your role at Danske Bank is a global role, right? How yep. many jurisdictions do you actually cover? So we cover the Nordic countries, so Denmark, Norway, Finland, and Sweden. Then we have, uh, we have something in Poland, we have something in Ireland, we have something in Germany and uh, Northern Ireland as well. And in London, I forgot to mention. So that makes quite the team, I guess. How many people do you have in your, in your team? So we are approximately 100 at the team and uh, located in uh, various uh, jurisdictions. So we have the, let's say, um, our operational setup is mainly based in uh, Denmark and in Lithuania. And then we have some uh, native local speaking people in uh, Norway, Finland, and Sweden. And uh, yeah, that's more or less it, uh, how we are spread through the, through the different regions we uh, operate in. How have you found it so far working remotely with your team? So that has actually been a, a, a positive, really positive surprise, actually, if I could say so. Uh, first of all, the team, not all of them had like a laptop, so we needed to order that. People did not have like their regular monitors at home. Uh, the, the, the whole setup for some were in place, but for others it wasn't. The IT team at Danske Bank has just uh, working really fast to get like uh, VPN and, uh, you know, tokens, all that up and running. And we are in week three now doing the whole Corona situation. And I'm getting quite positive feedback. We are uh, on our targets, on our uh, service level agreements and uh, and getting good feedback. Of course, there are people who ha- who's not uh, familiar working from home and all that stuff, missing their colleagues. And I do as well. But overall, I'm really positive, surprised actually about it. You are now saying you're working from home. You have the team spread out. You have the new technology in place. Have there been any kind of leniency or communication from the Danish Financial Supervisor Authority, Finanstilsynet? There has been some guidelines. I think actually the bank has been very proactive in the way that they have been uh, targeting this so it has actually been, let's say, the other way around. So actually, when we started uh, seeing something going on in Denmark, then uh, and, and they were some of the first movers, uh, like w- making people working from home, then it just spread to all countries, more or less. Of course, some of them just needed, you know, there's a whole union thing that we need to uh, have a dialogue with the union and discuss. When that was done, everything was just pushed in a, in a fast and a very positive way, I must. I'm, I'm impressed, actually, how we, we did it. 
Cancel, you recently posted something on LinkedIn about a trend that your bank had been seeing in relation to fraud. I know you talked about it at uh, an event at uh, Finance Denmark. Can you tell yeah. us a bit about that? So in general, I think this is the fun piece, actually. We are working with uh, Finance Denmark on uh, supporting them in communication around financial crime in general. And the good thing is that they have actually, during a lot of years, worked with the schools to actually educate, like, let's say, seven, eight, nine, ten graders to uh, know a bit about money and so on. But during uh, the last couple of years, they have actually put fraud or anti-fraud on, on the schedule as well. So we were so lucky. So we had like half an hour talking to uh, or giving like a lecture. And that is with the whole Corona situation as well. So it was uh, virtual as well. So it was not like standing in front of uh, 900 uh, pupils and, and, and giving you a view and getting questions. But the thing was around mule accounts maybe so, and, and kids to a really young age, like until 14 years, I actually a victim of becoming a mule. And that is something that we are unfortunately seeing an increasing trend of where a bit older, and this is unfortunately boys are contacting some younger boys and then getting them involved in the whole mule setup. And they do not actually know what they are doing they are just getting some easy money, giving away their card or account number or other stuff. And then suddenly the police call them up, the bank call them up. They are potentially liable for a, a lot of money. The parents do not know. And actually it has a huge consequences for these youngsters by if they want to you know, obtain a loan going on in the future, if they do payments to certain countries, if they want to do a business opportunity, then they are, the bank are aware that this person has been involved in criminal activity. And it's really sad. So the whole thing was actually to, to bring that out, but also giving them a view of who is the victim of this. So it could be that because they are not aware of it, that these money actually comes from someone going into their account. So that could be like a, uh, their grandmother, for instance, and what are this money going to be used for? But that could be criminal activity as well. They are not aware of that situation. So that I is something that we are, of course, concerned about. Of course, I think that's really good. And we have seen a similar trend, unfortunately, in Sweden as well. And that's also because it's so easy to to actually transfer money we in this neck of the woods we love our technology we do our easy access on on how to mobile pay payment to payment it's easy it's quick it's traceable but again it's it's swift yeah it's easy yeah and that that is uh i think if if we can go uh, one step back and that's why i'm really happy that we did this uh, session actually to the schools because one of my favorite arguments is when i was a boy i got pocket money off my dad my dad told me but well, this money you uh, should protect them like this you should keep them in your wallet you should not leave your wallet there and that was more or less it right and his grandfather or his father has actually told him the same story the thing here is that uh, no one has taught these, uh, these kids how to work or protect themselves with electronic money, right? Or elderly, or all the people actually. So we actually a bit, yeah, new in protecting ourselves here. And therefore I'm really happy that we can bring this out and bring these messages to do this, be aware of this, 
be critical. And then I, I'm sure that things will work out fine. And there will always be like uh, some minor mistakes, but, but in general, I, I, we just need to get the word out there to, to support and create the right awareness. So how do you see the recruitment of these underage mules happening now with the current restrictions? Because clearly the kids can't get together. They can't be approached at school because everyone's at home. So right now, if we look at, let's say, at the card fraud area, we of course see a decrease in, let's say, lost and stolen cards. But the whole online is just going on, right? It doesn't have boundaries that you need to walk out the door. So the whole online setup will go. And as you who have kids uh, in, in that age, do you know that they are operating in all kinds of social medias, you know, Snapchat, uh, not Facebook, that is for me, right? That, that is old news, but Instagram and all these media. So they are constantly in dialogue with each other. But of course, that, that they, they, they target the, the youngsters, but we also actually see, and that is not mule, but just in general, the whole corona situation, actually, we are expecting like an increase in, let's say, romance scam, fraud, and investment scams. And that is uh, due to People have a bit more time. People are working from home. It's potentially time to uh, look into if I can get a, a new relationship up and, and, and hopefully up and running. And the other way, we have the whole corona situation where the stock market actually has had like some serious negative impact and people are looking to reinvest. And then they look through these uh, advertisers or they have been contacted via the phone or email or whatever. And then they are trying to invest in, for instance, in cryptocurrency and other stuff. And we actually seeing a, a significant increase in this as well. Ketzel, what advice could you give our fellow financial crime professionals who are currently at home? I think people take it for granted as parents because we're now all in the house. Everyone knows what everybody else is doing. So what sort of things should parents be alive to to mitigate their risks of their kids being approached or recruited for these activities? I think first of all, have like a dialogue with with your kids to have like and make them understand what are the consequences. So I think a lot of the cases that we actually see and a lot of, let's say, not feedback, but the dialogues we have with the parents in these cases are that these kids have been offered a really low amount of money committing like not big size crime, but but reasonably big size for uh, for their age. and. What I would say to them is, guys, maybe it's like an easy uh, 100 euros you'll get out of this. But look at the other end, right? It is potentially your grandmother you're taking the money away from. And these money are then transferred to some criminals using them for potential trafficking or other types of uh, crime financial activity like buying guns or other stuff that are bringing not anything positive to our society. So it's like understanding the full value chain. And then that's actually my, my advice to try to explain to them and they are part of a bigger value chain, but the other way around also ask them to be critical. Ask them to, if something is too good to be true, then it's possible that it's too good to be true. And that is something, if I should be so frank to say, within the whole Scandinavian way of operating, working. We have like a trust-based community. That is great. But unfortunately, in this situation, it is a bit too good for the criminals to work in this environment because we are trusting so much into people and are not having 
that much of a critical sense into these matters. I think that you are hitting the nail on the head, as we would say here in Sweden on that one. <laughs> and it's also, I think that during this time and living also in a very cashless society, all the transaction, of course, is digital, it's electronic, it's, it's a lot of things going on. Have you seen any indications of, you know, in this, in this massive flow of transactions, we do know that criminals just try to ride the wave and, you know, make everything look like it's absolutely normal transactions or just like hiding or lurking in the, in the shallow waters. Have you seen any other types of trends recently? Well, as I mentioned, we have the romance scam, we have the we have the investment scam, but I would say is changing, and that now I'm talking uh, especially within the Scandinavian areas or the Nordic region. It's actually an increase in uh, social engineering. So if we go back in 18 compared to now, we actually seen a quite significant decrease in card fraud, and this is across Europe, and this is across to everyone is getting these text messages where online fraud is becoming more and more difficult. So, of course, the criminals are going in other directions. And what we are experiencing, at least in my area, and, and this is where I, when I talk to some of my colleagues as well, is that the whole thing of moving towards payment fraud and making, calling up the customer, convincing them that they should pay money, to this and that, or trying to trick companies into send money to a different beneficiary as, as they normally not do, all that is on the rise. And the thing here is that the, that the criminals in my region is actually getting more professional, which means by contacting in, in local language, they have operating in a much more professional and, and sophisticated way. So that is actually the, the trend that I see. And if I look at the corporate side, it is the whole beneficiary account chains. That is the that is a big change that we see where companies' uh, internal procedures are, let's say, challenged quite significantly uh, during these times. We have seen an increase also here in Sweden when it comes down to smaller businesses, of course, asking for loans. They need to perhaps restructure the company. Bankruptcies will probably be on the up as well. Any sort of trends in, in Denmark as well on, on those kind of scenarios? I would say in general with the whole uh, corona virus situation, the government has been asking the banks to support corporates and individuals in these uh, difficult times. I'm proud to say that Danske Bank is saying, well, of course, we'll support this. But me as a head of fraud management, I, of course, need to pinpoint the risk. And in these difficult times that will come, we will definitely see people getting more desperate. We will definitely see people trying to send in false documents of tax slips, salary notes, all that kind of stuff. And we are internally investigating and and discussing how we can mitigate this, but at the same time operate so we are supporting the whole society in operating within this. And we know that there are some who will take advantage of this. We know there are some who will try uh, and and find the loopholes, but we will be uh, on top of this uh, going forward, I'm sure. Yeah, staying vigilant is probably one of the best advice in that area. I guess saying, 
updating your current risk management, um, risk assessments is also part of that? Yes, of course. The whole portfolio that we are looking into is, of course, that let's say the whole credit risk, but also the money laundering risk and fraud risk needs to be updated due to this situation and the change. So that's definitely something that uh, that we are looking into. I would say that for, let's say, the whole uh, bankruptcy and, and the whole in, impact this will have on society, it is a fine balance we need to look into here, right? We, uh, we do not need to be uh, too restrictive because we need to support the society to move on during this crisis. But on the other hand, we, we need to uh, let the right one in and let the uh, wrong uh, leave them out the door. Uh, Kettle, I understand that you have uh, a rather sporty background in your career, <laughs> uh, but it's not one that you can currently practice at the moment. So what are you doing to uh, keep yourself sane and then getting the exercise you need? Because it, I think it was football you were involved with, yes? That, that's correct. I had like a professional football career before joining the, the real life if I could say so. No, of course, it was a real life, but it was a different life, right? Yeah, that's actually the fun part of it. Uh, the thing here is that I have a son who is uh, 14, and he is he cannot go out and, and train with his teammates and playing uh, football as well. So what happens here is that he runs uh, once a day, and he is really eager to bring me along. And... Uh, I must say that I have done some running myself, but it's a, like a different kind of running this, right? It's like in a really high intensive pace and we need to sprint and do a lot of uh, other exercises. So even though he is only 14, I and the good thing is he's not in this room right now, so he cannot listen in on this conversation, but I'm struggling to keep up with him, but I'm <laughs> trying to do as hard as I can to push him and show him that I'm still... Uh, on top of him, but uh, <laughs> I, as I mentioned the last uh, last night when I came home to my wife, when I said, "Well, um, you uh, you should be aware that uh, I I am really struggling to keeping up with him." <laughs> so, so tell tell me, Katil, is is football season cancelled in in Denmark for the moment? It is. It is. Uh, unfortunately, this is a really hard uh, uh, decision for us football lovers that uh, there's no excuse to using half of the weekend in front of the TV or going out and seeing some football. So uh, it's challenging to be together with the, the family and not having an excuse for having a, a two hours break for yourself. <laughs> no. For you listeners who, who are on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, where we are actually talking about is soccer. Can you think of anything positive that will actually come out of this horrendous situation we have been in now? I think actually a lot of positiveness can come out of this. I, as mentioned, the whole thing of working from home, showing everybody that uh, we, we can do it and everybody are engaged and actually stepping up, even though it's difficult times, I actually get the feeling that the team is just, they are just in there and, and saying, well, we need to get this going. And I think actually the team spirit will be even stronger when they get back together. And then the whole thing is when you're feeling a bit more, uh, a bit ill or, or sick or, or something like that, then the whole possibility of working from home and actually maybe maybe working a few hours and then then go back to sleep or bed or what you need to i think that will i think we'll work more flexible actually and i think that's a really really good thing 
I think that as well. So that's really how to apply the Danish word hygge, right, into it as well. I think I think that is uh, exactly what we uh, what we are looking into here. I know you probably already had that, but I participated in in virtual Kahoot game and uh, Friday bar and you know that that kind of stuff and you photo content and walk uh, how many steps you have walked and then register that. I think some good things, uh, fun things actually are going on. And the good thing is that it actually shows also like other side of me as a person, right? Well, on that very positive note, thank you so much for joining us all the way from Denmark, Kettle. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me, guys. And I think the initiative that you're running here and having that podcast is just great. Thank you so much. If you have any great ideas you'd like to share with us for a future podcast, or even if you'd like to take part, feel free to reach out to us on our website, captivatedaudience.eu, or just drop us a message on LinkedIn. Until then, thanks for listening and stay safe.